Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to throw a very special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, hi. Um, my name is Andrew DeGarmo. And uh, first off, I'm a husband and father of two awesome kids. Uh, I manage a small team of developers for university advancement at Michigan State University. And uh, I have a number of side hustles on any given day. Nice. So I'll just jump right in and ask, um, I'm hearing from some thought leaders that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, finding diverse talent hasn't been so much an issue as finding talent at the budget that I have. <laughs> but I would say that, uh, that tech is still heavily dominated by male staff. Um, the university uh, seems to have ironed that out to some degree, but as, as um, we have... Yeah, we have more um, females in, in leadership positions um, than anywhere I've worked before. But uh, given that we have a diverse selection of students every year, I think that has something to, to do, do with that as well. Yeah, so I think you're addressing some of that, that pool of talent that's available. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think on many of the college campuses that I'm on, very diverse background of folks and there's a lot of women in leadership. So I think maybe that's a, that's a clue for the folks outside uh, yeah. that that might be helpful. So um, what do you think about the push to remove the, the requirement for CS degrees for many software engineering roles? You know, um, that's actually, I, I hadn't heard of that uh, very much until, uh, until you brought that up. So I think that's probably a good move. Um, there, there, there's obviously a need to, to continue growing and, and moving on towards um you know, newer ways of accomplishing things. And, uh, there's a countless, um, there's countless areas where regulation limits outcome. So, um, I have no doubt that this would make a good argument. Um, and, and when I grew up, I didn't have access to a computer until I was like a teenager. Um, but now my eight year old's making web pages in his third grade class. So, um, a lot of the basics that one might pick up from a computer science degree, uh, probably easily be procured through more personal experience with a computer. Um, but this wouldn't necessarily be attributed to any of the more niche skill sets. Um, those would obviously having a, a degree to back those up would be a good move, but it's not to say that you couldn't, you know, become a, a expert Salesforce developer uh, without a degree. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, it's a sharp way of looking at it like that. I like that answer. Um, and I mean, it's coming from the top, right? So we were, we're seeing organizations like Apple. So Tim Cook, otherwise known as Tim Apple. Um, so he basically kind of um, was one of those big proponents that said, hey, why are we doing this? Does it make sense? Are these the skills that are all of our folks need for all of the roles that they do? And if it's not, then like maybe we should rethink this. So I like your point that it could be a, a unnecessary barrier for some folks. Um what do you think about the apprenticeship pattern? Do you think it would work for more tech roles? Yeah, I absolutely think that an apprenticeship option would work for tech roles, um, but especially when you're talking on the hardware side of it. Uh, I took part in a summer internship with Ball Aerospace back when I was finishing my degree. And uh, I got hands-on experience with you know running routers and switches and 
multiple data centers um, that they were running, which was um, it was invaluable because I hadn't gotten any of that through coursework. Um, and looking back, I, I probably should have devoted more interest into that IT path. Yeah, although it's, it's for some people, they get kind of into a spot in the IT path and it becomes hard for them to like transition and it doesn't seem that same way in software. Like in the software path, you can often pivot and like something new comes out like blockchain and like you can just sort of like get into it, and get a deep set of knowledge and be able to sort of like move into that or move into data science. It's interesting. I don't see as much in IT desktop support, that kind of space. It's like, go fix the printers. <laughs> That's it. They're just like, would you please just go fix the printer? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's really interesting. Um, what advice would you share with companies that are looking re to retain diverse staff? So let's say they've done a good job of attracting diverse talent. How do you keep them? Yeah, I think um, I think retaining diverse staff requires having the ability to discuss having a diverse staff um, and, and making this known up front, both in um, company culture as well as in the hiring process. So, you know, you, if I mean, you, ha you have somebody come in for an interview and you, you, you make that one of the, the opening lines is that you're, um, you, you, su you support having a diverse staff and, and, um, and make that known so that they take that into consideration when an offer is made. But yeah, I, I definitely want to support this and I think that I could grow here because they are being very upfront about, you know, this being an issue. So, yeah. And I think, to your point, a lot of organizations are feeling more comfortable having these conversations, but some still fear that, like, I don't know, they'll make a mistake or they'll say something wrong. And so they kind of are a little bit more like they hold back and they're not just like, look, we're trying, <laughs> and, which I think people will appreciate if you just say, look, we're trying. We're trying to get better. We're trying to understand this problem a little, a little bit better. So help us out. You know, what advice do you have? But it's that lack of transparency. It's to your point, just being upfront from the very beginning and saying, hey, like, this is important to us, part of our culture. Um, I think that could be helpful. This like super constructive. Yeah, so, key for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What about um, who is someone like yourself that you like to acknowledge as a leader, and you think might be a good guest on a podcast like this? Um, you know, I, I I could list off a number of people just in uh, in the university, but um, yeah, I'll probably I'll, I'll shoot you a list. Of, All right. Potentials. <laughs> Sweet. Um, where can we find out more information about either you or anything you got working working on university? This is the yeah. time for shameless plugs. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm in the middle of a, a pretty big Salesforce implementation right now. So we're we're switching over a system that's you know been around for the last 20 years, and um, I mean it, it. It's 20 years old, <laughs> um, and uh, so that's uh, that's been taking up a lot of my time. Lately, but um, yeah, outside of work, uh, I, I run a small boutique record label, um, primarily in the house techno, deepos kind of um, uh, genre. But um, yeah, you can find uh, information on that at stayup.us. Uh, I also have uh, Bandcamp set up with stayup.bandcamp.com. Uh, we've got a few releases out there, uh, both digital and vinyl. Um, and uh, and then my LinkedIn page has all of my professional. Thanks. I like it. So we'll throw those links into the show notes. Um, 
at one time in my life, I was a DJ, so it is near and dear to my heart. Uh, especially if you're cutting cutting vinyl like that. Yeah. I uh, was definitely around in the time before uh, we had. I remember it was a big deal when we had CD players, and I was like, yeah. telling my boss, "Look, we gotta get this in the booth," and he's like. I'm not paying for that thing. Like, look, I'm lugging these big crates of records around. You're gonna get this thing, so I don't have to take these crates down here every every weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, what's, the, what's the benefit? I'll tell you the benefit in my back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, last question: What have you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? And uh, honey roasted cashews are my weakness. Ooh, that's good, cashew. Yeah. Of all the nuts, cashews are uh, they're the most dangerous because they get that little sweet vibe to them. So you just keep eating, you want more and more. And so, man, I like that. That's a good one. We have a few minutes left. So we could do one of a couple things. We could either end early. um, You could ask me a question. You could talk about, you know, something else that you're into or interested. What would you like to do? Um, Well, what kind of music did you used to play? Ooh, that's a good question. So I was mostly hip hop. And I worked in the only, uh, so we're really close to the border uh, here in San Diego. So I worked in the only hip hop club south of the border. Um, and so it's no longer hip hop club. It's, yeah. it's very different now. But uh, it was kind of interesting being in that position where you know, my parents were certainly not happy about me crossing the border like yeah. every weekend. And uh, I loved it because it was, it was definitely a great uh, experience um, in that, like hip hop uh, audiences, they will let you know if they don't like something. Like if I'm trying right. to break a record, they'll let you know right away. Nope, this ain't working. We're just gonna get off the dance floor and just mean mug you. And I'm just like, you don't know this song is gonna be the jam in like six weeks. So you heard it here first. Sorry. <laughs> the, the the blessing and the curse of being a DJ is you get all the new music. It is everybody yeah. else, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, I started out, my, my first DJ uh, experience was in high school. I did a dance. Um, and I had, <laughs> I had a $100 mixer from Radio Shack, uh, a portable CD player on one channel, and um, a, a deck CD player for the other one. And it was nice. rough. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a great experience. I, I still play out occasionally, just not, I don't have time, so. Yeah, I mean, I I wish I could. At one point, one of my roommates that I was living with at some point stole or allegedly stole uh, my turntable. And so then I didn't have turntables anymore for a really long time. But I keep saying that once I get my stuff together and I get a little bit of, you know, side cash, I'll probably set up another little music room and stuff. So we'll see. But it's... uh, it was definitely because that's how I kind of shifted into software engineering was just like, I got to get out of this because this is just, uh, this is not a healthy environment. <laughs> be the best way to describe it. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's the opposite of this? What is the other skill I have? That's I'm pretty decent at. And it was, you know, writing software. So it was a good logical choice, but DJing was fun. So absolutely. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the program, Andrew. This has been uh, super fun. And uh, yeah, just thanks a lot for, for sharing your, uh, your advice. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a good time. 
The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 